The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome into Kingdom Keys, the official pregame podcast for Arrowhead Pride with Price Carter, Nate Christensen, Maurice Elston. I am Nick Schwert. This is our first true episode of Kingdom Keys. We had the weird Thursday night football opener. It has been a long break, guys, as we get ready for week two. And based off the way week one went, I don't think anybody really wanted to have an extended break. But given the news of this week, I feel like that did really work in the Chiefs' favor. So before we get to the Lions game, we have to recap what has been a crazy week in the kingdom. On Monday... You got Chris Jones agreeing to a new one-year contract that's going to get him back on the field in Kansas City. On Wednesday, Travis Kelsey returned to the practice field in a limited ability. And the biggest news of the week, guys, there are whispers, there are rumblings that Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift might be doing a little something, right? I don't know if they're dating. I don't know if they're seeing each other, but it's been a busy week in the kingdom. And for me, it feels like the Chiefs have sort of been able to just kind of hit the reset button on the season after that ugly loss to the Lions. Like I talked to Chiefs fans. I talked to my friends. Nobody really seems to be all that down anymore, given the fact that everything's been coming up in favor of Kansas City this week. Do you guys feel that at all? I, you know, I just did a quick deep dive just, you know, pulled all the metrics, used chat GPT, looked at all the stats. I think the Chiefs are the only team to add two Hall of Famers this after week one to the roster. So I'm feeling pretty I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, Travis Kelsey was born in 1989, which is a Taylor Swift album. So I think this is meant to be um, the Swifties are on board with him now because he's already got two rings so he can spare one for her. So we're golden. I, I think like the vibes are immaculate. The only direction is up after uh, after <laughs> Thursday night. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's, it's a full reset. It kind of feel like you know back in the day when you just had the Nintendo or the or or, or the, the Xbox and the, the older game systems. You get in the middle of a game and it ain't going the way you want to go. You just quickly hit the reset button to start it over. That I think that's what the Chiefs did. Like this, a little quick reset. Let's let's start this thing over and, and get it right. Yeah, the Chiefs took the cartridge out of the N sixty four, blew on it, and blew put it, it back in. Bit. <laughs> uh no it, it does sort of feel like at least like it's a kind of like a new team right like uh chris jones and travis kelsey are you know they're gravity multipliers they're you know pieces on a chessboard right they're not just pawns on a chessboard so they're they're going to affect everything the chiefs do this team is built around those two and patrick mahomes skill sets 
We, you know, defensively, I thought they performed fine without Chris Jones, but offensively, we just saw the offense crater without Travis Kelsey. So hopefully him returning will kind of normalize what the roles are on the team, what the play calls look like, um, because they need that because it, it was messy on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, you guys said it. It is two Hall of Famers. It is two top 10 players in the NFL. It is two players who are arguably the best at what they do in the NFL. And they're two guys you didn't have in that loss to the Lions, which, by the way, was only a one-point loss. I would like to think the combination of those two is worth at least two points. But as we get ready for week two against Jacksonville, I'm just curious to get your guys' take on this. Whose return do you think is more impactful, not just for this game on Sunday, but for the rest of the season for the Chiefs? I'll go first. I think it's easily Travis Kelsey. I mean, I I know it's a one-game sample, but, you know, the defense looked decent without Chris Jones. Uh, I didn't think – I think over the course of a season they would have struggled, but they at least could figure it out how to play. The Chiefs could not figure out how to play without Travis Kelsey. I mean, wide receivers were struggling. They couldn't run the football. They weren't getting the same looks they needed. This team's built on offense, and their second-best offensive player is Travis Kelsey. He's their most crucial – player outside of Patrick Rome. So, yeah, I, I think it's pretty easily Travis Kelsey. I, I, I wanted to say Kelsey, but my heart says Chris Jones. And, 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 and here's my reason for this, because I agree with everything Nate said, but it, it's the same thing as, like, I figure, like, the offense at some point in the season with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid figures it out. And even without a Kelsey, and that's, that, that's tough to believe that they do without him. But I think at some point they figure it out on offense of how to make it click and be efficient, right? But I feel like on defense, when you need that big play and that big momentum swing, that Chris, Chris Jones is that guy. And there's really no, no one else on that defense that I think gives you that type of impact and swing play that he can bring to the table night in and night out. Yeah, I think – I think you're kind of straddling the line between like most notable and most important. I think Travis Kelsey definitively is the most important. I think Chris Jones is the most notable because I would like to come and collect my receipts. I correctly predicted 16 games that Chris Jones would play. It looks like that's coming in. Um, But, you know, I think there was a real chance that we, like, you know, Nate said eight games. I think a lot of people were thinking that, and this had a chance to blow up. I think this was the closest to a win-win. When it comes to him getting some incentives, he spoke today at the mic. He said he sounded mostly happy. I'm not too concerned about him coming in and being some sort of cancer in the locker room as far as, you know, being a sour pants about not getting his money. Um, he has an opportunity to earn some money with some incentives that are likely to be earned and not likely to be earned. And I think that was the thing that you were probably more concerned about. I felt like once we knew Kelsey's injury wasn't season ending, you knew he was going to come back and he'll be Kelsey. And also I have more confidence in Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to be able, like if Kelsey was out long-term, I think it would have looked better than it did yes, uh, on Thursday. That was a freak thing that happened right before a game plan, after a game plan had been installed. You very much looked back at the game and it looked like they literally tried to plug Noah Gray and Blake Bell into Travis Kelsey's role. And that that's just not it. So um, the only direction is up. Yeah, I think that's an important distinction to make, Price, because there was a Chris Jones cloud hanging over Arrowhead during that game. I mean, it was the talk of Chiefs Kingdom when they go on the television broadcast and they show Chris Jones sitting in the suite in between his two agents. It was like, wait wait a minute. It's the season opening game. And one of your top three players is watching from a suite wearing street clothes. Not because he's injured on the sideline like Travis Kelsey. And to that point, you 
you just couldn't have that be a lingering distraction all season long. Like you can do it. Not if you want to maintain the level of excellence that the chiefs expect to play at. Like the chiefs are not playing for relevancy. They're not playing for playoff seating The chiefs at this point with two rings in the back. That's all they're concerned with chasing more titles, chasing more trophies. And you cannot let that linger if you expect to continue to play at that level. So I think I'm kind of with you price. I think Travis Kelsey is probably more important to the team and how good he makes them. But Chris Jones being one of the premier players on this team, now being back on the team, in the locker room, on the sidelines, on the field, that to me is a huge, huge, huge win that is bigger than just what he brings to the team on Sundays. And I think if you look at it too, the way that the deal came down, there's a lot of team laden incentives in in the deal so he has every reason to come out and be motivated this isn't going to be like a hold-in situation and there was a path for him to come back at week eight and have a nagging hammy that kept him out for week 10 i mean this could have gotten a lot uglier than it did um many of his incentives are going to help him and help the team so and the chiefs hate the chiefs hate holdouts like this is not something that they enjoy doing andy Reid hates talking about that stuff you go back to like when eric berry and justin houston situation was going on he wasn't a happy camper then and personally i think that's a big reason why they traded tyree kill when they did because they knew he was going to hold out so yeah i think i think this is just a nice little reset the 10-day break was good um i try not to read too much into this stuff but hearing some of the press from today like it sounded like a very subdued focus group i also thought it was notable that Kadarius tony came out and talked and like acknowledged he's very much kind of an immature player. And I struggled with that at times. I thought it was kind of a step positive step forward for him to be at the mic, answering questions about his shortcomings, still dodged some of the giants fans questions, but overall I thought it was just kind of a really encouraging sign. I'm very quietly positive about next week. All right, well, let's get into game number two, week number two for the chiefs, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're quite familiar with having played three times over the last two years, a rare noon Sunday game. I think we've only got a couple of those on the schedule for the chiefs. And it's nice to get that one out of the way early, which we will see here in week two price. Let's start first with the injury report. What's the latest on who's going to be available for Kansas city. So for the chiefs, uh, Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey and Legereus Sneed were all limited today in practice. Other than that, Clyde Edward Dallaire was the only player who didn't practice at all. That was due to illness, uh, not not an injury related. Obviously, Chris Jones building up. Travis Kelsey's got the knee. Legereus Sneed has also had a barking knee. Uh, for the Jags, the list is much more lengthy. Antonio Johnson, Gregory Jr., Brandon Scherf, Luke Fortner, two offensive linemen right there. Both did not practice. And then defensive lineman Tyler Lacey was limited due to hip injury. So a little bit more lengthy. We'll talk about that offensive line here in a little bit for the Jags. Yeah, we will. And you're a pro giving me the perfect segue into the keys for Sunday's matchup versus Jacksonville. Nate, why don't we start with you? What are you honing in on for this week two matchup as the Chiefs try to get their first win of the year? Well, it's interesting, right? I was kind of thinking about this, you know, the past couple of days when a team like Jacksonville takes a massive leap from being a team that had the number one pick to the playoffs, you typically see them change the roster and go all in. Because when you take that massive step, the next you know step to think is, okay, how, how can we be a contender? Especially when you have a quarterback as good as Trevor Lawrence. But the Jacksonville Jaguars basically ran back the exact same roster from the previous year. They were pretty cap-constrained because of some really bad roster decisions the prior two years. They weren't in a position where they had great picks. So their roster basically is the exact same as the one that left the field when they lost in the divisional round to the Chiefs except they have one big difference, and that's the inclusion of Calvin Ridley into their offense. 
Uh, obviously, Ridley was suspended last year for gambling. But when Ridley left in what would have been 2021, he was seen as, you know, a top 15-ish receiver in the NFL by any estimation. Most people would have had him there. And the thought was, if you're giving, if you put him in this offense with Trevor Lawrence as a legitimate one wide receiver, that's going to change the offense. And we already kind of saw that immediately in week one versus the Colts. Uh, Lawrence and the Jaguars targeted Ridley 11 times, get eight catches for 101 yards and one touchdown. He's immediately come in and instantly become the number one weapon. He's a guy that Trevor Lawrence can just consistently throw to. I was thinking of kind of comparisons with the Chiefs. Um, last year's Jaguars weren't to this extreme, but it was kind of like after the Chiefs signed Jeremy Macklin in 2015, uh, after the year they had zero wide receiver touchdowns, and how Macklin just kind of gave them a weapon to throw to, a guy that they could throw to in the end zone and give him kind of a consistent possession guy. That's kind of what Calvin Ridley is for this team. And that's going to be the difference for the Chiefs defending them this year. So how do the Chiefs defend them? Are they going to have to, you know, double cover Calvin Ridley? Are they going to have to have safety help over the top? These are things that they did not have to really do last year because Jacksonville just didn't have a lot of weapons. So it's just going to be interesting because Doug Peterson is a great uh, designer. He runs a lot of great, I, I I personally feel he runs a lot of great concepts, a lot of great motions to get guys advantageous positions. But now that he has like a true guy that can win, how does that affect the way teams guard them? And, you know, we've only had one week of seeing it so far, but it'll be interesting to see how that changes the calculus for how the Chiefs try and defend them and how the Jaguars attack this defense. Yeah, a number one receiver can really change the outlook and the ability of an offense because I think you could make a really strong case that the Jags have better weapons than the Chiefs do right now. But I don't think you would have been saying that when these two teams met, what, about seven months ago. Maurice, what about you? What is your biggest key for Sunday's matchup versus the Jags? I think getting the running game going is going to be important um, to the Chiefs having a, a victory this week. I think if you look at one thing that was missing last last game that they could have done better to kind of t- make up a little bit for the absence of Travis Kelsey, they could have ran the ball better. Um, I think that's a little bit more difficult this year. Um, I believe that, you know, Orlando Brown, while he may have been a liability a little bit in pass, in pass protection, he was a great run blocking tackle. And I think you kind of noticed the difference between that, between him and Donovan Smith in, in some of those, those zone runs on the outside of off tackle runs last game. I think you take away the runs that, that Patrick Mahomes had and the Chiefs will have 14 carries for about 45 yards, so about 3.2 yards a carry there between mainly uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and, and Isaiah Pacheco. So I think if they can establish that that run a little bit more, it'll open up some things to make to make the defenders of Jacksonville have to come up, have to attack the line with their safeties to stop the run. I think this should be a big Isaiah Pacheco week. I don't think um, – between no no running back had the double digit carries. I think this is a week that one of the running backs, and hopefully that's Pacheco, that gets into double digit carries and makes the only thing you really need to do is make them respect it in a sense and make and make them have to account for it. And I think that just opens up so much more for the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. 
That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Yeah, we were treated as fans to the patented Clyde edwards Lair feature role in week one, which I believe we saw at the beginning of last season. And I'm not falling for it this year, guys. I did it last year where you know Clyde hasn't been tackled for four months. And I go, well, this guy looks fresh, right? He's got a little bit of juice to him. I fell for it last year. I'm not falling for it this year, even though it wasn't a great game. What do you guys think was behind Clyde? all of a sudden kind of rising back up the depth chart. Six carries for 22 yards for him in week one. I mean, frankly, if you look at the running back room, what, there's just not a lot to be had there. You've got Jarek McKinnon who, um, you know, you're on like the extended warranty plan there with him where you want to try to keep the miles off on him as much as possible. And then you've got Isaiah Pacheco who was nursing an injury all camp and then kind of got banged up in that game again with his hip. Who else are you going to turn to? Um, you know, I the, the practice squad has got LaMichael Pirine on it. That's a possibility, but there's not a lot of other guys there. So Clyde is proven. And at this point, it's a sunk cost fallacy. You've already decided you're not executing the fifth year option on him. So turn and burn, baby. The the Raiders, you know, knew that they were going to tag Josh Jacobs and they're just going to run him into the ground and then throw him on the market. That's the exact thing that those running back hate. But until Clyde gets injured, you know, he's going to he's going to get some miles on him because, frankly, the Chiefs just don't have another answer. Maybe they think if he pops in one of these games, all of a sudden another running back hungry team is going to come calling. But I feel like that's wishful thinking. I feel like the frankly, Chiefs the, out on Clyde. Frankly, the Chiefs are the hung, the running back hungry <laughs> no, team. There's no one here. I, I'm sorry. I know like I'm digging up ghosts of the past, but I got so tired of writing mock draft articles where I had Chiefs taking a running back day two and everyone just would like destroy me and be like, oh, they can't take one on day two. You wait until the seventh round to grab your running back. And it's like that. This this is the anomaly. This is the exception, not the rule. The Chiefs definitely could have used another running back, but I, yeah, I we, know. We, we've thing, we've now reached uh, the end of that argument. Yeah. One thing is that Pacheco didn't practice all offseason either. So when the Chiefs were probably installing a lot of their game plans for this, it probably involved Clyde Edwards-Alaire as the main running back because they didn't know like if Pacheco was going to play and how much they could play him. Um, so I just do think that's worth noting um, when people talk about like, why is Clyde in the game? It's probably because he had like the most familiarity of the game plan of any of the running backs. Honestly, I think Clyde's just as surprised as the rest of us. This guy was at a fashion show in New York city during the chiefs victory parade. Okay. I don't think at that point in time, he would have predicted that he would have been, you know, the featured back in week one for the chiefs of the 2023 season. But yeah, the, the whole thing's weird. We did, you, did you guys ever listen to the press conference of him talking I think it was like during camp, he was talking about being inactive for the Super Bowl. And he was like, yeah, they were using me as a slot receiver. I was their Devontae Smith in practice. And I was sure I was going to play. I was a big part of the game plan. I was like, dude, if you were impersonating Devontae Smith, go look at Devontae Smith. Go look at you. That should have been your hint that you weren't going to be active, brother. But 
I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I think that there's value to be had. Um, there are things that Clyde Edwards does well. I just don't think that they were having him do those particular things last week. And again, the game planning probably had a big part of it. All right, Price, let's stick with you. What's your uh, biggest key for this game? Well, the Jaguars are a team that last year, um, when we were focusing on them for the playoff run, they were a team that stacked up a lot of quarterback hurries and pressures, but never really seemed to convert them to sacks. Um, They notably lost Arden Key off the defensive line, who was a person that our very own Caleb James pounded the table for all offseason. He really wanted the Chiefs to bring in Arden Key. I believe he's now with the Titans. Um, But the early returns on the kind of same old Jaguars line without Arden Key are a little encouraging. Um, It's just week one, but Josh Allen, not that Josh Allen, the defensive end Josh Allen had three sacks. And then Trayvon Walker has managed to get a sack as well, which is now his four and a half sack, the first overall pick from the year before. So um, he's already like produced over 25% of his career total at sack there. Um, And then they also kind of stacked up uh, quite a few pressures and hit six QB hits. Obviously, they're going against rookie Anthony Richardson, who plays a style that's going to lead to some QB hits and to some pressures because he plays a very uh, run oriented game at the quarterback position. But the pass rush looks to be encouraging. And obviously, we know Patrick Mahomes that got that high ankle sprain against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Josh Allen, who had that big game, is going to be lining up predominantly on the left side against Donovan Smith. So this is going to be a good challenge for him. Um, Allen's a power guy, does have speed as well. Not the not the traditional bendy edge, but can can play a variable role. Um, I think Devontae, or not Devontae Smith, Donovan Smith is going to, this is going to be a good challenge for him. And I think uh, Trey Smith struggled a little bit. Aiden Hutchinson really kind of got him a couple of times on the inside whenever they would line him up over there. The Lions game was really interesting as far as the offensive line went. I think most people seeing non-Chiefs people talk about that game, they were the, under the impression or under the impression that Patrick Mahomes was under pressure the entire game and the offensive line had a really poor game. But then when you look down at the stat line, you see that the Chiefs did give up uh, eight total pressures, six QB hits, but no sacks. A big part of that is Pat being very good at avoiding sacks. That is one of the things that makes him such a great, great quarterback. But Controlling the the line of scrimmage, especially for the offensive line, is going to be huge in this game because not only was it about the pressure that was coming on Patrick Mahomes, it was inability in the rushing game. Uh, Roy Robertson Harrison's a pretty good interior defensive lineman for the Jaguars. He's a guy that they picked up and um, a couple years ago in 2020, and they went ahead and gave him a new deal this offseason. He's been a big part of controlling the run game. Uh, obviously, without Jonathan Taylor here, but the Colts only got 25 yards rushing last week from running backs. Anthony Richardson had 40 yards rushing. That might sound familiar because last week's leading rushers for your Kansas City Chiefs was Patrick Mahomes with 45 yards. All of the other running backs totaled 45 yards collectively. A little bit from Clyde, a little bit from Pacheco. So backing off, kind of piggybacking off what Marie said, she's got to be able to run the ball here to at least make the play action a threat. And yes, obviously you have Kelsey, and Kelsey provides that nice security blanket where Pat can drop back one, two, three, hit. And that's that's when their offense is at, is at their best. It also helps when the wide receivers catch the ball. But run game, pass game, I feel they've got to control this line of scrimmage. This is not a defensive line that really should be putting the fear of God in you. So um, pass protection, running, offensive line, all those things are a big part, but definitely controlling the offensive line of scrimmage. And the offensive line is a unit that generally takes reps, like live game reps of playing together to really get to the point where like, okay, cohesive unit, they all know what the guy next to them is doing. This is a new offensive line from last year. You've got a nice core there in the middle, but with two new tackles, 
do you feel like that's something where maybe we kick the can down the road a few weeks, a few months down to the season where you say, okay, I'm going to hold off on really evaluating what we've got here until they've I, had time to gel. Yeah, I definitely think most notably, I think Trey Smith kind of struggled a little bit with Jawan Taylor, the way that he plays because he takes that wide, deep step step that like keeps Chris Collinsworth up at night um, that he has. I think that leaves Trey open a little bit more on the interior there. And the Lions did expose that Aiden Hutchinson was a menace. And I think that kind of threw Trey a little bit because that's not the way Andrew Wiley played. He, he kind of protected his inside a little bit more. Now what, uh, what Juwan Taylor was doing on the right side does kind of help him with speed rushers. So I'll be interested to see. And obviously the Jaguars are very familiar with Juwan Taylor's game. It'll be interesting to see if they just kind of, if they try to go at that side or if they kind of let them run from the left side. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think so. And obviously we know Joe Tooney is a great guy to play left tackle next to Donovan Smith's going to be the weak link. But if Donovan Smith is your weak link of your offensive line, you're not, you're not in a terrible place. Yeah. And I, and I, I mean, I think it was Tom's like, if, in the Lions game where you've seen why people was will rave about the Chiefs offensive line and had some optimism, like the touchdown to Ray Rice. I mean, not to Ray Rice, to, to, to Rasheed Rice. <laughs> the touchdown to Rasheed Rice. You know, Pat Pat had time. Like, he was able to stand in that pocket and really look around. And I think as they gel, like you said, Nick, and, and get those couple of weeks in there, I think that you'll be able to see more of Pat being able to sit there in the pocket and be able to, to go through his progressions. And to your point, Mahomes held onto the ball one of the longest times he has in a game against the Lions. You know, turns out it's hard to throw the ball when people aren't open. Um, so he was like well over three seconds to throw the ball in that game. So that probably also was part of what created pressure. Are you saying uh, the Chiefs uh, wide receivers struggled versus Detroit Price? I because, think someone, uh... yeah, I think that'd be a great key for someone to have. You know what? That leads me right into my key because when we sat here a week and a half ago, and we talked about our big questions for the season. I took the wide receivers. And boys, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm going right back to the receivers because they are broken and they need to be fixed. I'll give you a stat line that is pretty mind-boggling when you consider the offense that we're discussing. Three catches for 13 yards on 11 targets. That is the stat line for Richie James. Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, and Justin Ross combined. That is nearly a third of the passes that Patrick Mahomes threw versus Detroit. And they wound up getting him three receptions for 13 yards. I don't really know exactly how else to say it, but the wide receiver production, the wide receivers in general, were an absolute flop out of the gates for the Chiefs. Like no matter... If you were on the optimistic end, if you were on the low, if you were on the pessimistic end, which I kind of was, I was kind of like, I don't really know which of these guys is going to emerge. Who's the number one? Who of these guys are reliable and dependable? Even what they did was so far below the lowest expectations that you could have set. And that is why going back to the beginning of this episode, when we talk about this being sort of a reset feeling for the Chiefs. That is the, the room on this team that needs to hit the reset button the hardest. And I really hope that guys specifically like Kadarius Tony can put that game behind them and move on. We all talked about the impact that Travis Kelsey is going to have. He's going to help this offense tremendously. It's going to make everyone else's life easier because of the amount of attention that he's going to receive from opposing defenses every single time he's out there. But beyond that, 
other guys are going to continue to need to step up and raise their level of play, intensity, focus from what we saw versus the Lions. Because the Chiefs aren't playing to be a top five offense, right? They're playing to be the number one offense in the NFL. And you can't get that simply because of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. You have to have other guys emerge. And when I look at that first game versus Detroit, the only guys where it really felt like Mahomes was in a rhythm with was MVS and Justin Watson. And those are the two guys. It's not hard to figure out. Those are the two guys he trusts. Those are the two guys that even last year when we were figuring out the wide receiver room, who was out there every single night, who was out there playing 60, 70% of snaps, MVS, even when he wasn't producing because the coaches trust him, the quarterback trusts him. Later in the season, Justin Watson, his role emerges. Why? Because Mahomes trusts him. Those other guys need to earn the trust of Patrick Mahomes quickly because I'll tell you, if we see another game, another performance from the wide receiver room like we saw in week one, a lot of people are going to start inching towards that panic button because the expectations are very, very lofty for this offense. And I think they just fell so terribly short. So for this game against Jacksonville, like, I'm just expecting a, a big bounce back from a lot of these guys to sort of remind the world, remind the NFL, like, hey, st we're still the Chiefs. Like, don't write us off. Don't lower your expectations for us because of one game. We are still the offense to beat and the team to go through in the AFC. Uh, one thing I kind of tweeted yesterday, and it was, it's been a thing in my mind, is this is a pretty unique spot for Patrick Mahomes with his receivers because when you think back to the start of his career, when he got the year off, that helped develop time to have chemistry with Tyree Kill, Demarcus Robinson, Travis Kelsey. Uh, they brought in Sammy Watkins in 2018. But when for the first like four or five years of Patrick Mahomes' career, he was thrown to the same guys every single year. Then last year, the Chiefs bring in a bunch of veterans after they trade Tyree Kill, the guys that Patrick Mahomes would trust, right? This is unique. There's not a lot of veterans in the room here that Patrick Mahomes has a lot of familiarity with and guys who also, you know, have a lot of experience within this offense. This is, I, I made the joke, but like he can't afford to really go like Aaron Rodgers here where he's looking for his like Randall Cobb or his, you know, Devonta Adams. Like these are the guys he's given, but you know, trust is a thing that you earn, right? If Patrick Mahomes is not throwing to Sky Moore, not throwing to Gadarius Tony, this offense is going to, for lack of a better term, it's going to crater because you can't just throw to one guy and Travis Kelsey all the time to build an efficient offense. So it's going to be an interesting, I wrote about this for her pride. So you should go check it out tomorrow when it comes out. But like, it's going to be an interesting balance for Patrick Mahomes to kind of navigate being like, okay, I have to try and get sky more Kadarius Tony going, but if they keep making mistakes, I can't just keep throwing them the ball. So I'm just really interested to see how it works because Mahomes, you know, he's a great teammate. He's a great leader. But if these kind of mistakes keep happening, is he going to keep throwing them the ball? Or the Chiefs going to can they afford to keep giving these guys snaps? It's just a really interesting thing we haven't really encountered before. And I think Nate, when you when you when you when you point out those things and you go back and like watch the film, they're like the receivers and their their spacing, like it it was it was just not there. Like what what you would know how veteran receivers have that feel for the space and that feel for the offense, like the crossing pattern with Richie James and Tony, like the spacing one there. And then it was a route where Tony probably should have just sat down, but he's drifting back and he allows the, the defensive back to cut in front of him and get the pass defense. Right. So I think just because they haven't had that time and they're still kind of young and developing, you see all that. And that's, we ain't even talking to the drops, right. 
it's just the, the the regular things that you do. So I'm interested to see how how it all unpacks and how it plays out as well. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of things here. Um, kind of sorting out what is news and what is noise. The Lions did a complete 180 on game planning last year. We, we talked about it. They were one of they were the most man heavy coverage team in the league, and they played a whole lot of zone. And that was partially probably because of the Travis Kelsey injury. And it makes sense that they did that. For some reason, the Chiefs were very shook by that and couldn't seem to come up with anything. The Chiefs ran a crazy amount of mesh patterns. If we're sorting out what's news and noise here, I think like the most newsworthy item here is Sky Moore not getting targets and not getting the ball and then not catching it when it does come his way. That feels like the most newsworthy thing to me. There is a body of work here that says he's had a whole rookie season. Um, Rasheed Rice is already like well on pace to beat. Sky Moore in his rookie year as far as volume. And I understand Sky Moore, a Mac guy, also a smaller guy. And also he had Juju and Hardman in front of him to kind of soak up those reps, including Justin Watson. But that to me feels like the most new, newsworthy thing. Those mesh concepts, that should be a place that Sky Moore eats in the middle of the field and the slot role. And that just wasn't happening. And at some point we have to look at, and I brought this up a little bit, just kind of questioning what it means. Everyone just looked at Sky Moore in the preseason and said, the Chiefs are keeping him. He's a secret weapon. They're not going to use, they're not using him because they don't want to show what they've got. And is it, well, or is he just not getting open and just not getting the ball? And does Pat just not like throwing him the ball? And Mahomes has been a guy who kind of has guys that he feels comfortable throwing the ball to and not. That Juju connection was there right away when he came in. And Kadarius Tony, like he, his first game was against the Jags when he got traded last year. And I seen Mahomes throw a ball to him that he would not throw to almost anyone else on the roster. He threw a jump ball up against the sideline and let KT go and get it. I don't know what it is, but he has it with certain players and he doesn't. And Sky Moore has just never seemed to have what that is that Mahomes likes. I'm still optimistic here because I believe Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, those guys, they can, they can create an environment for almost anyone to succeed in. But he is the one that I am the most concerned about. And you know what? It happens. Misses happen in the draft. If Sky Moore is your wide receiver five, you feel great. The problem is right now, he was supposed to be, he was the person that people are tweeting out, like, I'm, I'm calling for a thousand yards for Sky Moore. Well, he's yet to eclipse like 270 in his career. And he's working on like game number 18 or 19. So let's, you know, just kind of read the room a little bit when it comes to Sky Moore. Okay. Before we, we get to game predictions in the last episode, we all went around the horn and we made our predictions as to who the leading receiver for the Chiefs was going to be this year. I believe three of us picked Sky Moore. And I don't remember who was the who was the lone anomaly that picked MVS. Was that you, Maurice? Oh, that was you. Okay, Price. Yeah, quick. The hand shot up for Price. Uh, okay, does anybody want to change their answer? Oh, well, I'm going to go MVS as well. <laughs> <laughs> Maurice, what about you? You sticking with Sky? I am going to stand my ground for there another we week. There we Good go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, me too, man. You know what? I'm, I'm again hitting the reset button in general. That applies here as well. I'm trying to put that game out of mind and just attack this game with just a completely fresh perspective. We'll see how long that lasts if uh, the Chiefs don't come out the gate firing. Speaking of which. Kansas City still three and a half point favorites Sunday noon kickoff versus the Jags. Let's get to game predictions. Maurice, let's start with you. How are you feeling about this one? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. I have I have some apprehensions, right? I I, I have my thoughts, but I'm feeling pretty good. I think the offense rebounds. Um, I think they come out with something to prove. Um, I think defense comes out with something to prove. 
And of course, you're returning like 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 we said earlier, two Hall of Fame bound players to to a team that has to change some things. I'm going to go Chiefs, and I'm going to say their offense rebounds and gets gets to rolling. I'm going to say 31 to 27 Chiefs. So I, you know, because nobody will come back at me if the Chiefs had won last week. Coming into the season, I kind of had this as a scheduled loss. I figured the Chiefs would leave at least one of Detroit or Jacksonville with a loss. But since they left Detroit with a loss, that means I have to pick them to beat Jacksonville, right? So I, I think the Chiefs can win this game. I mean, they have 10 days to prepare for this game. They're going to certainly be very motivated to come out and win this game. I think Jacksonville will be motivated too, right? They lost two games last year to the Chiefs. I expect it to be a lot more high scoring than last week's game was. I think Jacksonville's really executing well on offense, but I expect the Chiefs to rebound on offense too. I don't expect two bad offensive performances in a row. I'll go 31-28 Chiefs. I think it's high scoring. I think it's exciting, but I think the Chiefs will find a way to pull this out and improve to one and one. Yeah, I'm going to kind of continue the trend here a little bit of thinking of its high scoring game. Um, like Nate, I kind of circle this as a potential trap game. It's going to be hot in Jacksonville. Usually that's kind of an issue for guys early in the year. Last year, now knowing what we know, it kind of made a little bit of sense, but last year, the Bills got upset pretty early in the year down in Miami, and it was just scorching hot. Um, the Jacks are going to be salty. This is a you know the Chiefs are everyone Super Bowl, and that's just a reality that they have to live in. Jags lost to them twice. They walked off the field losing to this team. They're going to want to, and as we pointed out, most of this roster is the same. Um, I, I'm going to I'll swallow the three and a half, and I'm going to take the Chiefs to win 34. 33. I'm going to take them by a point here. Another nail biter. Yeah, I mean, would you have any other way? I mean, it's Chiefs football, baby. It's I'll take Pat on a game-winning drive here. Um, go get the field goal to go up by one. But yeah, I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence is really kind of taking the next step, and I think uh, I think it's gonna I, that defense it, it can be had, but there's some playmakers on there. So I, I think I could see some turnovers really being a big part of this game. So if you guys go back to two seasons ago. When you remember where the big talking point about six weeks into the season was the fact that the Chiefs offense was no longer getting these explosive plays in the passing game because of what defenses were doing with shell coverage. They were putting a top on the defense and it took Kansas City a long time to sort of adjust to that. And it was sort of shocking because at that point in time, Mahomes had never really played poorly or the Chiefs offense had never played poorly for an extended period of time, but the adjustment period took them really four or five games. But if you remember in that stretch, it's not as though the Chiefs were racking up a bunch of losses. They started slow, but then they just started sort of grinding out these ugly games. I think they had one against the Packers. They had one against the Giants. And it wouldn't shock me if this season starts similarly to how that stretch went two years ago, where we kind of just expect because it's Mahomes, Kelsey, Andy Reid, that they're going to figure this out and all of a sudden, you know, things are going to be clicking on all cylinders. I don't necessarily expect that to be the case, but I do think Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones being back on the field is enough to allow you to play poorly and still win the game. So I'm actually going low scoring in this one. I'm going to go 24 to 17. I do think the chiefs win and they cover, but I don't think it's all of a sudden the chiefs are out there putting up 35 40 points. I do think that the timing for this offense to gel between the wide receivers, Kelsey coming back, the running game, the offensive line, like there's a lot of question marks right now with this offense, but Mahomes, Kelsey, 
Chris Jones, Andy Reid, that's good enough to get you a win in Jacksonville. That's it, fellas. Our first official, even though it's our second unofficial episode of Kingdom Keys, the official pregame podcast for Arrowhead Pride. You can check us out every Saturday as the pregame show before the Chiefs take the field on Sunday. We'll be back again next week recapping this game and getting you ready for week two. For Price Carter, Nate Christensen, Maurice Helston, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next week.